Welcome everyone to the Inside Envy podcast. I'm Jake Pantone, host today and joined in studio with Mr. Neil Shirley. Hello. And the talented AJ DJ Turner. Hello. He's running the board. Um, this episode is a special one. It's not every day that we get a handmade custom frame builder hanging out at Envy. And so last month when we had 20 of them in house for our Builder Summit and Open House, we jumped on the opportunity to pull one of our friend builders into the friend builders. Is that what he is? He's a friendly builder. <laughs> he is friendly. He's really he's friendly. Yeah. yeah. yeah into the uh, into the podcast studio. So if you missed the builder summit and open house, go to envy.com and visit the journal page to check out the coverage where you'll see a collection of beautiful bikes from gravel to mountain to road that were on display here in the building adorned in envy goodies and uh, so check that out envy.com journal and we'll be looking to do the same thing in the years to come so join us here next year if you have the opportunity to come to our open house event we'll be letting you know what those dates are as soon as we know them so in this episode we sit down with adam from sklar bicycles or sklar bikes He's, his operation is up in Bozeman, Montana, and his story is as unique as the aesthetics of each titanium and steel frame that comes out of his workshop. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Adam. Okay. Well, thanks, Adam. So, well, we'll start with Adam. Yeah. So Adam, what's your last, is it Sklar or? Yeah, Adam Sklar. Adam Sklar. <laughs> okay. So we have Adam Sklar here in the studio with us, uh, Envy's recording studio slash office and many other things. Um, fresh off the boat on your drive down from Bozeman. Is that where you're yep. based out of? That's right. So Adam is the founder and owner and builder Everything. Everything that is Sklar <laughs> yeah. bicycles, cycles. Sklar bikes is the, Sklar the bikes, official name. Yeah. The official name. Casual. Yeah. So that's my horrible introduction about you. Why don't you tell us about you? <laughs> What's your background? How did you get into cycling? And ultimately, um, how did you get into building bike frames? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I guess bikes came. I was. Uh, I grew up in Colorado and uh Growing up, pretty much all my friends were cross-country mountain bike racers, and I was really into skiing and backpacking, that sort of thing. And um, so we would always go on big adventures like hiking and skiing. And um, finally, my friends convinced me to get on a bike, and I was like, oh, we can go so much further. This is so fun. It was a great way to get out and uh, you know, be away from our parents for the whole day, and they wouldn't really ask questions. <laughs> uh, so that was nice. And then um, that sort of led to some racing in high school. I did like the Nike races. Those were around for my, my last year and um, some of that. And then, um, yeah, it sort of just uh, fell into cycling super hard. And it was, you know, commuting, started racing cyclocross, um, started getting into bike touring. Um, and then after high school, I moved to Bozeman for college. I went to engineering school at Montana State. Um, and while I was there, I'd, I built my first frame just because I'd always been into making things and I was into bikes and bikes seemed like a cool, cool thing to make. So um, I got some tools from Home Depot and did it in my parents' garage <laughs> over winter break. 
and um, that was the first one. And I, I, I really taught myself for the first handful of frames until I found a, mentor, uh, a few mentors in Bozeman who were super helpful. And I was building bikes for myself and for my friends. And then your friends' friends ask, and then all of a sudden some random person asks, and you're like, oh, I guess I'll start a business. And <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that first frame? The first one for myself was a, was a cross bike. Okay. Um, it was lugged. And the very first one was so bad that I, I didn't even finish it all the way. I never put parts on it. It was, it was so bad. <laughs> I br actually brought it to a builder because I did it in Boulder and I brought it to a builder who was there and he felt bad for me, but it saw that I could do something. So he gave me a little brazing lesson and <laughs> that's how I made the second one rideable. Nice. Yeah. We have, I mean, that's, that's kind of the cool thing about learning how to make things though, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, Envy has count, countless numbers of first articles that just, didn't work out and yeah. that's that's part of the process mm -hmm. i'm mostly curious to know like what 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 tools were you buying at home depot <laughs> oh i mean it was like i had a vice and a couple files and a hacksaw gotcha and that was <laughs> and like a map gas torch which isn't enough to really make anything so, <laughs> so you said you're a skier big skier yeah so you're more of a skier that rides bikes or you're a cyclist that skis well it's kind of <laughs> shifted i i grew up Really, my family was super into skiing and not so much into bikes. And um, big into backcountry skiing, I liked to ski patrol and stuff when I was younger. And um, moved to Bozeman. A big part of it was to go skiing. But you know, throughout the years, I've gotten more into riding bikes. And skiing sort of on the back burner now, but it's still fun. There's there's pretty similar. I I like the same parts of them, the being outside and seeing cool stuff. Yeah. Well, fun. coming to Envy, that's that's a, that's a question you get asked because we're all we often have those debates of whether oh, we're yeah. skiers that ride bikes or cyclist is ski except for neil he's our socal yeah just cyclist that's it <laughs> yeah yeah we'll I get, get chastised yeah, just, but we'll, I'm, we'll get him i'm holding out a yeah. <laughs> couple more winter months he's gonna realize that you know there's another world out there <laughs> yeah you gotta have something to do <laughs> yeah yeah the fat, fat bike didn't quite do it but <laughs> so you said that you, you kind of found a mentor um that kind of helped guide you along who was that was that someone that is it a famous yeah. frame builder or uh well there there are a handful of people who kind of worked to help me a lot and so the first one his name is tom youngst and uh he built frames in the 70s and 80s mm -hmm. all these philip rays mountain bikes um and he sort of got out of it to go into machining so i was working and he rented me a corner of his machine shop where i could use the tools like cut tubes and that sort of thing and he was always there to answer questions and that thing and then that relationship sort of got me in with carl strong who most people know about mm -hmm. um, he's been around forever super yeah, experienced yeah. Um, he's is he there in bozeman he is yeah right? and yeah. for a long time i lived like three blocks away and wow. something would go wrong and it'd be like carl <laughs> you know run over and, um yeah and that was huge and then the other one i also um ended up sharing a space with a bike shop in town and um just owned by two business partners and one is a super experienced mechanic and um, that relationship taught me a lot about, you know, like what breaks and, you know, how to do cable routing well and all that sort of thing. And then the other one, also a super experienced mechanic, but also worked in like branding and marketing for a previous career. And that was super helpful. And yeah, uh, that's important for the bike thing too. Yeah. Especially when it's one person doing everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Bozeman's been cool. It's, you know, it's so remote that there's not a lot of jobs there and most people have to create a job for themselves or until recently at least. Um, so there's been lots of, lots of good influences there for that. Is there, is there anyone that you've, I guess, that has inspired you, any current builders or, or past builders, maybe as one of your mentors that 
you think has kind of helped kind of define what you're, what you're doing now? Um, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of all those really, I think Carl's, Carl's been huge. He's known a lot as being super professional and he's um, mentored a lot of builders to get the business side of things in line. And I know certainly when I'm making some decisions, I'll hear like my Carl, the Carl voice in the back (laughs) of my head being like 40% margin on this or something. Mm -hmm. Um, that's been good. I know when I was getting started, um, there are definitely some like East coast, uh, you know, rando style builders who I was super inspired by their craftsmanship. And, um, I've moved away from building those super intense, like crazy amounts of work bikes, but I still like, I feel very much inspired by them. Try to put that effort into things still. So your bikes have a, I'd say your bikes, you know, the ones I've seen have, have a unique aesthetic to them. I mean, some very specific design cues that you look at and you're like, that's a Sklar. Where, what inspired those, that sort of design philosophy that you have with your bikes from an aesthetic and then also from a structural standpoint? Yeah. Um, I think, well, the curve, the curvy tubes, the curvy top tubes, um, was a friend, one of my, I built like my fifth bike for him and he really wanted a curved top tube because oh, that's a good, you know, Curtis Inglis is downstairs right now. Like when we were like 15, we were looking at retro techs on the mm-hmm. internet. I remember being like, Oh, those are so cool. Um, but yeah, he wanted a curved top tube bike. And so I made him buy me the bender. Um, and then I ended up liking it and I, I was doing it to, um, the other thing I liked was like to ovalize the tubes. Um, I wanted an oval top tube, uh, for the ride characteristic, which, um, is definitely, you know, part of the engineering degree thing coming in. Um, and it does, I think it does make the bikes handle differently, but I've always liked the fact that you can tell my bikes without, without paint on them. You know, I'm, I am an engineer more than a designer or anything. So, um, paint's never been the thing I go after, but, um, yeah, just more the shape and intent. So how, how long, how long have you been making frames? How long has Sklar been the official a business? Officially, it'll be six in January. Nice. But I built my first frame in 2011. Okay. So you're six years in. Um, assume the business is growing. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's grown a lot faster than I ever expected, which is cool. Are you having as much fun today as you were on day one? Uh, probably more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty slim for a while there. Getting going. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, do you, do you feel like, uh, I mean, you feel as excited as ever about the business and where you're going with it? And yeah, I think, I think, um, with growth, you know, you get excited about different things. And as you learn, you know, like building bikes is still fun. I still love like the feeling of pulling a, a bike out of the jig is still super cool. But, um, you know, you, you get excited about different things. Like, like I just launched a stock geometry bike, which is a new thing for me. So a non-custom option. Um, and that was a really fun project to work on. And I've been investing time in like designing. I'm doing some 3D printed metal parts now, which have been really fun to work on. Um, and just getting more parts custom machined for myself um, as I have the time and resources to get that stuff made. That's been a big part about growing is I can, I can refine the product even more, which is super fun. What's the, what's, what's the hot Scholar right now? What, what are the customers wanting? Yeah, it's it's pretty... I mean, the gravel bike has been huge. Um, I think since my background is really dirt-focused, um, I think my biggest impact has been all these... I built a lot of bikes for people who are road bikers or consider some, themselves road bikers, mm-hmm. and 
I would consider myself more of a mountain biker. I mean, I like all the bikes, but, um, and I think getting the feedback that like, oh, this is so fun on dirt. I can't believe I've never done this. And now they're coming back for mountain bikes. I think um, the gravel bikes have been awesome to do that. I think I've gained a bit of a reputation for that, which is cool. So a lot of those. And then mountain bikes have always been a staple. It's always been pretty 50-50 with that. Yeah. You spend most of your time personally on the mountain bike? Yeah. In Bozeman, it's interesting because we'll have – I didn't really ride road or gravel until I got up there because the shoulder seasons are so long. So we have – in the spring, there's three or four, sometimes five months of – the trails are very much snowed in, but mm-hmm. there's awesome gravel riding up there. And um, so normally spring is more gravel and road focused. And then I'll do mountain bikes all summer and then cross comes back around and I get back into the gravel bikes. It's been a while since I've been to Bozeman, but the one thing I do remember on the last drive I was up there is thinking there's endless gravel roads up here and it, dirt roads to everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. You can just ride and we're in a big valley too. So you can kind of go. You just ride any direction and there's sweet gravel roads and ride up a, a little drainage or something and find a trail. Super yeah. fun. Yeah. I just found out something about Bozeman that I didn't know. Oh, Adam yeah. informed me that Salt Lake is the biggest si- close city mm-hmm. to Bozeman. Six hours away. Yeah. yeah. God. Denver's I didn't know we were that close. Yeah. Boise, but maybe Boise is just not big enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder how close Boise is. So, with, so, so, you know, we've talked about your business a little bit and how you, you kind of got into it. And now you've got a business that's, it's sustainable. You're Mm -hmm. growing. I'm sure there's some challenges there. Um, like what is, what is the biggest challenge for you right now as you're trying to grow and build this brand? Uh, it's definitely keeping up with customers still. That's, it takes so much time, which is part of why I did the stock geometry bike and I'll, I'll be doing some more over the next year. Um, just, yeah, there's, there's lots of demand and it's, it's hard to balance like lead times. And, um, you know, when I started, I really wanted to focus on customer taking care like, you know, you, you're not buying a bike off the shelf. So a lot of people, the biggest thing is talking to the person who's making the bike. So keeping that relationship strong with every customer, that's super tough. Um, yes. Especially as you get more of those customers and you yeah maintain being one person. Yeah. <laughs> so far going to change. Yeah. <laughs> So what, it, I mean, I, as I look at all the custom frame builders out there, I mean, it seems like there's, you know, some come, you know, they come and go and some really have holding power and build great businesses, but there's a lot of different, there's like specific things about each builder that make the frame unique and the experience unique. And like, what's, what's the common thread that your customers share? Like, is there a, is there a marquee Sklar customer or is there some common theme that all like somebody calls up and they're going to order a bike or they want to order a bike? Like why did they choose you? Um, I think, I think there is a pretty common thread and it's, um, I'm going to talk to someone about it, but that the way that I ride bikes is like, I'm not really a racer. I'm not really a roadie or mom. Like I do all the styles of riding and, um, I think it's really about the experience of riding and, um, with the way I design my bikes, it's all cust- it's around the customer and around their experience. And I think they relate to the way that I ride bikes. And so they, they see that in the bikes that I build and they want to be a part of that typically. Makes sense. So do you, I mean, it, it's, at some level you have to sort of export that. Yeah. Totally. That, that 
that experience, right? Like how is, are you, are you going to events yourself? I mean, it sounds like you're lost and found maybe. And Definitely. Yeah. I go to a lot and I, I've been, I've been selling a lot of bikes. Actually half of my bikes last year went to the Bay area, which is pretty crazy. Um, but I go to, you know, lost and found Grindero. I've been going to, um, I think I drove to California six times last year. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I enjoy going to those events and meeting people. And, um, that's actually been, it's been awesome to, get to meet people. And then years later, they'll shoot me an email and be like, Oh, we met at Grindero four years ago. And now I'm ready for a bike. And um, what you're saying is like those, those events and those activities that you're doing selling bikes. Yeah, definitely. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just fun to go to. And it's, it's sure fun to have this into the, the cycling community. I think, I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. Like, I think that's really what, one of the aspects of being a custom frame builder that is just really cool is the, you are the guy making the bike and mm-hmm. you can have that personal relationship with the customer where you could ride with them one day and totally. a month later they're like, Oh yeah, I remember riding with Adam and yeah. you know, it looked like he's having a good time and his bikes were cool. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of done with the box brand thing. I want to try something custom. And I mean, I'm, I mean, frankly, if 15 years ago, if you would have asked me if there are still going to be metal bikes being made, <laughs> 10, 15 years from now, I would have said probably not. Uh-huh. And I mean, it seems like this industry is thriving, not just surviving, but like thriving yeah. in a world of sameness. Everybody wants something a little different and, yeah. and people are seem to be coming back to this, you know, wanting to have these personal relationships with the people making the products they ride. So congratulations. I think that's awesome that you're doing that because yeah. I think it's clearly paying dividends. So it's been yeah. a, a fun thing <laughs> um well see here we had a, we have a list of questions we were kind of topics we were wanting to cover okay. um maybe we can shift gears a little bit just more to yeah. broader market trends and yeah. i mean what are you have you seen in you, you touched on the gravel thing so i mean that's obviously a hot topic in the bike industry are you i'm assuming you're seeing that as sort of the theme driving volume right now or or is that the bike you're building the most of right now is a custom gravel bike? Yeah. I haven't looked at the numbers yet this year, but it's, I think, I think this might be the first year I do more. I don't really, I, I still haven't really built any true road road bikes, like less than a 38 or 33 maybe. Um, but it, it feels like a lot of, yeah, drop bar gravel bikes. Um, yeah. that I mean, that trend's huge because riding on roads is terrifying and, Riding dirt's fun. So, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely seen lots of that. Um, seems like 700 is kind of taken back over. I don't see the 650 thing taking off as much. Uh, if <clears throat> if somebody was calling you to order a, to build their gravel bike, would you, would you, would you dissuade them from a 650? Uh, for me, it's mostly like a, a rider dimension thing i think smaller riders benefit from it a lot um it's interesting because like as the builder we're you know you get to dream up all the things you want but sometimes we're limited like for a long time we're limited by tire selection or like rim selection or um you know for mountain bikes it can be like the stems that are available or um i don't know you know there's things that like i can't start i could start a tire brand but that'd be pretty hard um (laughs) And then it wouldn't be, you know, you have to, the customers need support for their bike. Like I've done, like when plus tires were new and I was building a lot of mountain bikes, 
um, you would build a thing and then think that, I mean, I'm sure everyone in the bike industry has seen this, you know, you think someone, something is going to take off and it doesn't. And then your customer kind of has a bike that like pretty, some special, special order. It's very components. unique. Yeah. Very unique. <laughs> ultra unique. But I guess that's the price you pay for being like the earliest adopter. Sure. Um, yeah. The gravel thing has been big. Are there other, other questions, other more specific things about it? No, I mean, we're just, we're just interested in, I, mean, I think it's just, it's interesting to consider, you know, as, um, as the bike industry as a whole, there's, there's a lot of different market trends, right? Like road bikes have transitioned to disc brakes and tire oh, volumes sure. continuing to go up. And we know people are flocking to gravel for various reasons. Some people want to get off the road. Some of us are just sort of bored with other things and want to try a different form of racing or, you know, here in this area specifically, like there's a handful of great road loops, but man, gravel bike has just opened up a whole new world of like exploration in terms of the roads and the places you can go and the loops you can complete on a bike. So from a sort of discovery level, gravel has really sort of opened up a ton of possibilities for totally. what you can do on a bike. And it just adds another level of diversity um, to sort of the, the rides riding you can do now yeah. it's like a road ride a gravel ride and mountain bike ride and so totally. you can like you said shoulder seasons there's right times there's good times a year to do each of those activities and um and i i mean i think it's really cool i think it's healthy for the bike industry to Definitely. have this thing called gravel because i mean like you said there's a lot of people that are terrified to go on the road and for good reason in a lot of places um and i mean I think for us, we're, you know, interested in, we've always felt that the custom frame builder community has some influence in larger market trends. Oh yeah. And I mean, would you agree that? Very much so. Yeah. How do you, I mean, how do you, do, as a frame builder, do you, do you view yourself as having that level of influence within the bike industry? Yeah. It's been surprising to see how much, I mean, if you go to NABS and walk around, there's stuff that it's like, you know, but if there was still interbike, it's like interbike two years ahead. In especially with the gravel bike stuff, we saw so many things like the bigger volume tires were showing up. You know, skinny mountain bike tires on road bikes, and um, you know, were the first ones to adapt. Like I don't know the all the silly like new hub spacings and all that stuff because um, you know whatever company will launch it, and it takes you know a long time clearly to develop a. a stock frame or a mass produced frame, but we can do it. I mean, I could, you could build it in a day if you needed to. Um, yeah. And it's fun to have customers. I think a lot of the customers drive that stuff too. And um, I know lots of builders are, are definitely invested in the tech, but there'll be customers come like, I found out about this brand new thing. And um, that's always fun to have someone bring you something like that and uh, figure out how to make it work and make it work well. I think it's really interesting going to, I mean, I don't go to every NABS, haven't been to every NABS each year, but I do think it's interesting from sort of the first, you know, 10, 12 years ago, the first time I went to NABS um, to now where it used to be really kind of like a, a very niche sort of sure. show and it was very much just custom frame builders and it wasn't a lot of involvement from the big brands, you know, be it Shimano or SRAM or, um, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, it was very much a, a custom frame builder sort of 
expo. Mm -hmm. And now you go and you see the product managers from the big brands walking through your booths and seeing, looking at your bikes and they're bike geeks or they're looking for inspiration for, you know, trying to see what the next trends are going to be. And I think that's, it's interesting and pretty flattering for the, you know, this industry as a whole that, you know, these big brands because they're not as they're not as nimble as you guys can be um you know need to sort of be looking there to sort of have inspiration for what's next know what's going to happen in two years in the grander scale yeah what people are asking for and what they can't get anywhere else and i mean us as a brand as well like we we feel like we're part of that community we're constantly you know trying to talk to you guys and work with you guys to sort of provide the solutions necessary. And it's always been a goal for Envy to stay nimble and dynamic so that we can also react on a quicker time frame to changing trends, you know, like. Yeah, Envy has been awesome to work with. Yeah, with thanks. Kevin, <laughs> you guys, I mean, but really you always listen to what we have to I say. Mean, it's it's super yeah. cool to have input on stuff. It's it's rad. See how I did that? I just keyed it right <laughs> in so that. <laughs> I love and then we're just staring it at him. <laughs> Perfect. All right, well, that's it. We got what we needed here. So got our sound bite. Yeah. No, so. So just we've, as we kind of wrap up this conversation a little bit, um, I mean, going back to you, like what's your, what are you, what's your favorite bike that you're currently riding? Uh, my new mountain bike's my favorite. It's, uh, it was the prototype for my stock one and it's just, it's the most fun mountain bike I've ever been on. Tell us about it. What is it? Uh, it's, uh, it runs 29 by two six tires. Um, and it's, what they're calling forward geometry, which is the, the real long. progressive, like super slack, super long front end, super short rear, low bottom bracket, super short stem. Um, Tra- fork travel? It's 150. Uh, yeah, 150 hardtail, which I was hesitant of, but I've been using all of it, which is crazy. Um, and it's just, I went from a, I built, had built myself a six inch full suspension bike for last year, which was super fun. But it's funny going back to hardtail that is it's just, it's so fun. It goes so fast and it climbs so good and it's awesome for all day, big rides. So yeah, I'm hoping to keep, I have a bad habit of going through bikes pretty quick. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you can build whatever you want, whenever yeah. you want, it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's the hard question for you. Okay. If you had to choose a bike from another builder, oh. what's your non Sklar dream bike? Nothing. <laughs> you don't no. know. Uh, that's a tough one. I don't know. Well, I was just looking at the, the Provas downstairs. Yeah. Those things are beautiful. Really sweet. So they have a unique look. They're cool. Yeah. And all the all of his printed parts, are they're just, they're super cool. Super clean. So what do you think about 3D printing? I mean, do you, do you see it as a, do you see more of that in the, in the meaning of looking to the future? Is that something you see probably there being more of? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hopefully going to come down in price. I've just been doing my first parts out of it. And I mean, it it allows you to do things that are just not possible. I mean, it's make things stronger, lighter, and work better. And it's like, there's no reason not to do that at all. I think it's pretty cool. It's an option, yeah. Technology is just moving, moving quickly that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that is that something you're excited about as far as looking to the future? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to work with it more. It's, it's, um, yeah. I mean, anything that makes the bikes better. Both from a, yeah, from like an actual performance 
sort of function standpoint, but also like if if you're a guy that does lugs, <laughs> you could yeah. you could do some crazy yeah you could crazy print lugs stuff out. with lugs and yeah there's yeah and I'm sure there's lots of ways we haven't even thought of yet but yeah like the what Bastion's doing in Prova and I don't know I've, I'm excited about what I'm doing too um, <laughs> it's yeah there's there's some crazy possibilities we've had in metal um, things you can't normally do in metal so it's really cool. Do you want to elaborate on any of that? Oh, just wanna... like, so, I mean, if for people who don't know, the way metal 3D printing works is it spreads, a, it's like a fancy windshield wipe that spreads a super thin layer of uh, powder medium across the bed, and then it lasers it, so it's laser centering it. Um, and that means you can do hollow parts, and you can do super intricate support inside, so like these lattices that are crazy strong and super lightweight. Um so just like there's no way you could machine a part that's that light or strong. Um, and that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. Well, anything else, Neil? <clears throat> anything else, Adam? Uh, thanks what for having me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we, uh, we're excited to uh, have you here at Envy. Thanks for coming down, making the trip. And uh, we will uh, call it good from there. Yep. Thanks, right. Adam. Thank so, you. Thank you. Thank you.